Chapters twenty nine and thirty of Adrift in New York. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bridget Gage. Adrift in New York by Horatio Alger, Jr. Chapter twenty nine. Mrs. Layton's party. Miss Linden said, Mrs. Layton, one day in the fourth month of Dodger's absence, Carrie has perhaps told you that I give a party next Thursday evening. She told me, answered the governess. I expected Professor Bovier to furnish dancing music. In fact, I had engaged him, but I have just received a note stating that he is unwell, and I am left unprovided. It is very inconsiderate on his part, added the lady, in a tone of annoyance. Florence did not reply. She took rather a different view of the professor's letter, and did not care to offend Mrs. Layton. Under the circumstances, continued the lady, it has occurred to me that, as you are really quite a nice performer, you might fill his place. I shall be willing to allow you a dollar for the evening. What do you say? Florence felt embarrassed. She shrank from appearing in society in her present separation from her family, yet could think of no good excuse. Noticing her hesitation, Mrs. Layton added, patronizingly, On second thought, I will pay you a dollar and a half. Professor Bovier was to have charged ten dollars. And you will be kind enough to come in your best attire. You seem to be well provided with dresses. Yes, madame, there will be no difficulty on that score. Nor on any other, I hope. As governess in my family, I think I have a right to command your services. I will come, said Florence meekly. She felt that it would not do to refuse after this. As she entered the handsomely decorated rooms on the night of the party, she looked around her nervously, fearing to see someone whom she had known in earlier days. She noticed only one, Piercy du Brabazon, whose face lighted up when he saw her, for he had been expecting to see her. She managed to convey a caution by a quiet movement, as it would not be wise for Mrs. Layton to know of their previous acquaintance. But Piercy was determined to get an opportunity to speak to her. Who is that young lady, Aunt Mary? he asked, the one standing near the piano. That is Carrie's governess, answered Mrs. Layton, carelessly. She seems quite a ladylike person. Yes, I understand she has seen better days. She is to play for us in the absence of Professor Bovier. Will you introduce me, Aunt? Why? asked Mrs. Layton, with a searching look. I should like to inquire about Carrie's progress in her studies, said the cunning Piercy. Oh, certainly, answered the Aunt. Quite deceived by his words. Miss Linden, she said, let me introduce my nephew, Mr. de Brabazon. He wishes to inquire about Carrie's progress in her studies. And the lady sailed off to another part of the room. I can assure you, Mr. de Brabazon, said Florence, that my young charge is making excellent progress. I can easily believe it under your instruction, said Piercy. I am very glad you take such an interest in your cousin, added Florence, with a smile. It does you great credit. It's only an excuse, you know, to get a chance to talk with you, Miss Linden. May I say, Miss Florence? No, answered Florence decidedly. It won't do. You must be very formal. Then tell me how you like teaching. Very well, indeed. It must be an awful bore, I think. I don't think so. Carrie is a warm hearted, affectionate girl. Besides, she is very bright and gives me very little trouble. Don't you think you could take another pupil, Miss Linden? A young girl? No, a young man, in fact, myself. What could I teach you, Mr. de Brabazon? Lots of things. I am not very sound in. in spelling and grammar. What a pity, answered Florence, with mock seriousness. I am afraid your aunt would hardly consent to have a boy of your size in the schoolroom. Then perhaps you could give me some private lessons in the afternoon. 
That would not be possible. Just then Mrs. Layton came up. Well, she said, what does Miss Linden say of Carrie? She has quite satisfied my mind about her, answered Piercy, with excusable duplicity. I think her methods are excellent. I was telling her that I might be able to procure her another pupil. I have no objection, as long as it does not interfere with Carrie's hours. Miss Linden, there is a call for music. Will you go to the piano and play a Strauss waltz? Florence inclined her head obediently. Let me escort you to the piano, Miss Linden, said Piercy. Thank you, answered Florence, in a formal tone. For an hour Florence was engaged in playing waltzes, gallops, and Lancier's music. Then a lady, who was proud of her daughter's proficiency, volunteered her services to relieve Florence. Now you can dance yourself, said Piercy, in a low tone. Will you give me a waltz? Not at once. Wait till the second dance. Piercy du Brabazon was prompt in presenting himself as soon as permitted, and he led Florence out for a dance. Both were excellent dancers, and attracted general attention. Florence really enjoyed dancing, and forgot for a time that she was only a guest on sufferance, as she moved with rhythmic grace about the handsome rooms. Piercy was disposed to prolong the dance, but Florence was cautious. "'I think I will rest now, Mr. de Brabazon,' she said. "'You will favor me again later in the evening?' he pleaded. "'I hardly think it will be wise.' But when, half an hour later, he asked her again, Florence could not find it in her heart to say no. It would have been wise if she had done so. A pair of jealous eyes was fixed upon her. Miss Emily Carter had for a considerable time tried to fascinate Mr. de Brabazon, whose wealth made him a very desirable match, and she viewed his decided penchant for Florence with alarm and indignation. "'To be thrown in the shade by a governess is really too humiliating,' she murmured to herself in vexation. "'If it were a girl in my own station, I should not care so much,' and she eyed Florence with marked hostility. Mamma, she said, do you see how Mr. de Brabazon is carrying on with Mrs. Layton's governess? Really, I think it very discreditable. Mrs. Carter looked through her gold eyeglasses at the couple. Is the girl really a governess? she added. She is very well dressed. I don't know where she got her dress, but she is really a governess. She seems very bold. So she does. Poor Florence, she was far from deserving their unkindly remarks. I suppose she is trying to ensnare young du Brabazon, said Emily spitefully. People of her class are very artful. Don't you think it would be well to call Mrs. Layton's attention? Piercy du Brabazon is her nephew, you know. True, the suggestion is a good one, Emily. Mrs. Carter was quite as desirous as her daughter of bringing about an alliance with Piercy, and she readily agreed to second her plans. She looked about for Mrs. Layton and took a seat at her side. "'Your nephew seems quite attentive to your governess,' she commenced. "'Indeed, in what way? "'He has danced with her three or four times, I believe. "'It looks rather marked.' "'So it does,' said Mrs. Layton. "'He is quite inconsiderate.' "'Oh, well, it is of no great consequence. "'She is quite stylish for a governess, "'and doubtless your nephew is taken with her.' "'That will not suit my views at all,' said Mrs. Layton, coldly. "'I shall speak to her to-morrow.' "'Pray don't. It really is a matter of small consequence. Quite natural, in fact. "'Leave the matter with me. You have done quite right in mentioning it.' At twelve o'clock the next day, when Florence had just completed her lessons with Carrie, Mrs. Layton entered the room. "'Please remain a moment, Miss Linden,' she said. "'I have a few words to say to you.' Mrs. Layton's tone was cold and unfriendly, and Florence felt that something unpleasant was coming. CHAPTER Thirty. 
Florence is followed home. I am listening, madame, said Florence, inclining her head. I wish to speak to you about last evening, Miss Linden. I hope my playing was satisfactory, Mrs. Layton. I did my best. I have no fault to find with your music. It came up to my expectations. I am glad of that, madame. I referred, rather, to your behavior, Miss Linden. I don't understand you, Mrs. Layton, Florence responded, in unaffected surprise. Please explain. You danced several times with my nephew, Mr. Piercy du Brabazon. Twice, madame. I understood it was oftener. However, that is immaterial. You hardly seemed conscious of your position. What was my position, Mrs. Layton? asked Florence, quietly, looking her employer in the face. Well, ahem, answered Mrs. Layton, a little ill at ease. You were a hired musician. Well? And you acted as if you were an invited guest. I am sorry you did not give me instructions as to my conduct, said the governess, coldly. I should not have danced if I had been aware that it was prohibited. I am sorry, Miss Linden, that you persist in misunderstanding me. Mr. de Brabazon, being in a different social position from yourself, it hardly looked proper that he should have devoted himself to you more than to any other lady. Did he? I was not aware of it. Don't you think, under the circumstances, that he is the one whom you should take to task? I didn't invite his attentions. You seemed glad to receive them. I was. He is undoubtedly a gentleman. Certainly he is. He is my nephew. It was not my part to instruct him as to what was proper, surely. You are very plausible. Miss Linden, I think it right to tell you that your conduct was commented upon by one of my lady guests as unbecoming. However, I will remember, in extenuation, that you are unaccustomed to society, and doubtless erred ignorantly. Florence bowed, but forbore to make any remark. Do you wish to speak further to me, Mrs. Layton? No, I think not. Then I will bid you good morning. When the governess had left the house, Mrs. Layton asked herself whether in her encounter with her governess the victory rested with her, and she was forced to acknowledge that it was at least a matter of doubt. Miss Linden is a faithful teacher, but she does not appear to appreciate the difference that exists between her and my guests. I think, however, that upon reflection she will see that I am right in my stricture upon her conduct. Florence left the house indignant and mortified. It was something new to her to be regarded as a social inferior, and she felt sure that there were many in Mrs. Layton's position who would have seen no harm in her behavior on the previous evening. Four days afterward, when Florence entered the Madison Avenue car to ride downtown, she had scarcely reached her seat when an eager voice addressed her. "'Miss Linden, how fortunate I am in meeting you!' Florence looked up and saw Mr. de Brabazon sitting nearly opposite her. Though she felt an esteem for him, she was sorry to see him, for, with Mrs. Layton's rebuke fresh in her mind, it could only be a source of embarrassment, and, if discovered, subject her in all probability to a fresh reprimand. "'You are kind to say so, Mr. de Brabazon. "'Not at all. I hoped I might meet you again soon. "'What a pleasant time we had at the party!' "'I thought so at the time, but the next day I changed my mind. "'Why, may I ask?' "'because your aunt, Mrs. Layton, took me to task for dancing with you twice.' "'Was she so absurd?' ejaculated Piercy. "'It is not necessarily absurd. "'She said our social positions were so different "'that it was unbecoming for me to receive attention from you.' "'Rubbish!' exclaimed Piercy warmly. "'I am afraid I ought not to listen to such strictures "'upon the words of my employer. "'I wish you didn't have to teach. 
I can't join you in that wish. I enjoy my work. But you ought to be relieved from the necessity. We must accept things as we find them, said Florence gravely. There is a way out of it, said Piercy, quickly. You understand me, do you not? I think I do, Mr. de Brabazon, and I am grateful to you. But I am afraid it can never be. Piercy remained silent. How far are you going? asked Florence uneasily, for she did not care to have her companion learn where she lived. I intend to get out at Fourteenth Street. Then I must bid you good afternoon, for we are already at Fifteenth Street. If I can be of any service to you, I will ride farther. Thank you, said Florence hastily, but it is quite unnecessary. Then good morning. And Piercy descended from the car. In another part of the car sat a young lady. Who listened with sensations far from pleasant to the conversation that had taken place between Florence and Mr. de Brabazon? It was Emily Carter, whose jealousy had been excited on the evening of the party. She dropped her veil, fearing to be recognized by Mr. de Brabazon, with whom she was well acquainted. She too had intended getting off at Fourteenth Street, but decided to remain longer in the car. I will find out where that girl lives, she resolved. Her conduct with Piercy de Brabazon is positively disgraceful. She is evidently doing her best to captivate him. I feel that it is due to Mrs. Layton, who would be shocked at the thought of her nephew's making a low alliance, to find out all I can and put her on her guard. She kept her seat, still keeping her veil down, for it was possible that Florence might recognize her, and the car moved steadily onward till it turned into the bowery. Where on earth is she leading me? Miss Carter asked. I have never been in this neighborhood before. However, it won't do to give up when I am, perhaps, on the verge of some important discoveries. Still, the car sped on. Not far from Grand Street, Florence left the car, followed, though she was unconscious of it, by her aristocratic fellow passenger. Florence stopped a moment to speak to Mrs. O'Keefe at her apple stand. So you're through with your work, Florence. Are you going home? Yes, Mrs. O'Keefe. Then I'll go with you, for I've got a nasty headache, and I'll lay down for an hour. They crossed the street, not noticing the veiled young lady, who followed with an earshot and listened to their conversation. At length they reached the tenement house, Florence's humble home, and went in. I've learned more than I bargained for, said Emily Carter, in malicious exultation. I am well repaid for coming to this horrid part of the city. I wonder if Mr. de Brabazon knows where his charmer lives. I will see that Mrs. Layton knows at any rate. End of chapters twenty nine and thirty.